Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We're going to do a little look back edition today because there's a story that, that came out on The Athletic by Seth Emerson that I think was just really good. And, and part of it is I've gotten a little tease into how it's come along and, and where it came from. But if you love college football and you watch this past college football season, uh, you know there was a lot of doubt about whether it would happen. And... Seth did a great job walking us through the weekend where it looked like it might not happen, where uh, the Big Ten was on the verge of, of postponing its season. The Pac-12 was on the verge of postponing its season. The Mountain West postponed its season. The, the MAC postponed its season. And you know what was going on in the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 and uh, with a doctor who just happened to tweet something and didn't realize what he was getting himself into. Uh, but Seth Emerson is joining us today. Seth also covers Georgia for us, so we, we have some Bulldogs talk after this story as well because there's some stuff going on. But Seth, this story is unbelievable, and, and you and I talked about this before you started it. And I, I love the idea of walking us through the weekend where college football was on the brink. And so you went and talked to, I mean, everybody. You talked to Greg Sankey. You talked to to Bob Bowlesby. You talked to Darian Rencher from Clemson, who was kind of the, the organizer of their player group. What was the mood like on that Saturday when I think the Mac canceled that day? Well, slight correction. I didn't talk to Bowlesby um, or oh, Swafford, who has since retired. But I, I talked to ADs and all conferences uh, like John Curry at Wake Forest was a great resource because he's been in the Big 12 and the ACC. And the SEC. So th- there was so, yeah, in the SEC. And so they've got, there are so many people like that who have contacts all over. And so when we saw these reports coming out that Sunday that basically the season is doomed, that was a reaction to stuff that had been happening the previous two or three days where these guys are all talking to each other. And basically, let, let me go a little bit further back. I was asked by somebody uh, today, like, what did I learn from, from doing this? And there was a lot of things I learned. Like, this was one of those where cutting room floor has so much good material. And we could probably write a book just about those three days. Someone Someday somebody needs to write a book about the whole saga of college football in 2020. But every Tuesday during 2020, and I think it's still going on, medical professionals from each of the power five conferences met and exchanged information. And they did that previous Tuesday night and the medical representatives from the ACC, the SEC and the big 12 did not come away with any impression that the PAC 12 and the big 10 were about to bail on the season. They thought they were all on the same page. It was. So this this would have been like a full week before, because they did it on Tuesday of the following week. 
Yeah. But that Sunday was the commissioner's teleconference when basically the, the big 10 Kevin Warren and Larry Scott said, we're, we're going to cancel. Are you guys going to come with us? Greg Sankey for his part in my story says, basically I told them, no, we're two weeks away from that kind of a decision. Um, and Bob Bowlesby and John Swafford essentially said, we'll get back to you. So the story of the next 72 hours, 48 hours, maybe at that point was the sec kind of standing strong, but helpless as powerful a conference as it is, it was helpless because there was some thought if everyone else bails, will the sec just play its own season? So to that end, Greg Sankey told me he was talking to the commissioners of the American of the Sunbelt and conference USA to basically say, look, if the ACC and the big 12 also bail, will you go with us? Like we, we can't do it completely alone, but they were also begging the ACC and the big 12 to stay by Monday. The ACC had basically reached a point of saying, we want to stay, we want to play, but if the big 12 bails, then that's going to be really tough for us. So that it's set up Tuesday night was the important night and the big 12 gets the intervention from the, this random, this cardiologist at the Mayo Clinic who is brought in to basically assuage the concerns of anybody remaining in the big 12 and saves the day. Well, and, and so you're talking about Michael Ackerman and, and this is really interesting because he reads a Washington Post story over the weekend and it's about it's about a, a Red Sox player getting myocarditis, right? And Eduardo is, Rodriguez. This is the issue that everyone's worried about. This is the issue that the, the Big Ten is is really on edge about. And Michael Ackerman's tweet, and it's crazy because it, it got 19 likes and 15 reads. Mm-hmm. So this is not something that went around the world. As of now, like, you know, eight, <laughs> yeah. nine months later. So day of, it might have been like, even fewer. But he says, this is a great article. Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic cardiologists are quoted. However, I've heard some using this article to call for the cancellation of all university sports this academic year. Nonsense. He says in all caps with an exclamation point. The data cited cannot compel that. And so what happens to Mm -hmm. Michael Ackerman and who calls him? He, nothing happens after that tweet. That's on Sunday afternoon. And on Tuesday morning, it's it, it was amazing, Andy, in retrospect, when I went back and researched this and looked at this, I forgot how much stuff happened. I didn't realize that at the same time, Michael Ackerman is sending out this tweet. Sports Business Journal was publishing this interview with the ACC medical rep. And we can talk about that. Oh, and yeah. And that, was, that went but it, not well. Yeah. <laughs> it did not go over that well. That happened. At, but that all happened at the same time. Like, in it, it, I... I didn't realize it was all happening basically at once. Michael Ackerman sends out another tweet on Tuesday morning as he's continuing to watch the college football drama. And this time it ricochets around the college football universe. I remember seeing it and I saw some other sports writers retweeting it and I, I retweeted it. I was like, this is interesting. Someone at Baylor where they have a, you know, through the medical fields, you know, Baylor has a pretty strong medical school. Someone knew Ackerman and called him and said, Hey, you know, can you, we're, we're having a meeting tonight. Um, so clearly the big 12 was acting to do something there and they, they sprung to action and they brought Michael Ackerman on that night. 
And <laughs> he, like I said, he assuaged the concerns because I, I think to, if you talk to different people like Shane Lyons at West Virginia told me, yeah, you know, it, it, it could have gone either way. And I, I think it might have gone the other way before that meeting um, that Ackerman made a difference. Um, our colleague Jason Kersey talked to Joe Castiglione, who kind of had a different impression, kind of saying, well, you know, that that meeting was regularly scheduled. Maybe it would have. Maybe it wouldn't have. But um, I, I know from somebody I, who was I, in I that think, meeting, they told me they were getting a lot of texts from uh, from the ACC yes. and the SEC, yeah. their, their the, colleagues. Everyone knew that it was all on the Big 12 now. And the moment that the Big 12 announced or, or that word came out. It was Soonerscoop.com, an Oklahoma site report was the first report that the Big 12 had decided to carry on. Then th there was a I don't even know if it was a sigh of relief, because in retrospect, we now realize that was the moment the college football season was saved. But well, and, and, and it was also it the was moment they, would, they were going to have to do all the work to make it happen. So that was right. You know, right. volunteering yeah, for the, some the, heavy lifting. And then, yeah, the Big 12 came out that night and said, yeah, so we're going to let our teams continue practice and we're going to come out with a schedule you know and and but they didn't say there will definitely be a 2020 college football season in retrospect we now know that was the moment um now i, I don't know if we want to go on too much of a tangent here andy but let's say it had gone the other way acc folds sec folds do we get to october and at some point everyone kind of get back together and say actually let's try maybe but I think it would have been really hard to do that yeah. from go. I think there's know? a chance of that because the, the I kept asking people, why can't you do it in the spring? Why can't you do it in the spring? And the best explanation, it wasn't nobody ever gave me a good explanation. The best one I ever saw was Jamie Pollard, the Iowa State AD, sent a, a note out to his to their fans saying, here's why it would be difficult. Basically, yeah. I'm going to have to lay everybody off right now if if we are, are going to play in the spring because there's no guarantee that it's going to be any better. And, oh, by the way, it wasn't any better. And it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it, – it's just crazy to think. And before I, we go any further, by the way, The Athletic is doing a deal right now where if you're not subscribing, you can subscribe for a dollar a month for your first year. And you can read stories like this one we're talking about that Seth wrote and also Seth's great coverage of Georgia where you know, George Pickens just tore his ACL. Uh, I write a little about college football as well. We have Bruce Feldman, Stuart Mandel, Nicole Auerbach, National Sports Writer of the Year. I mean, come on. Come on. Dollar a month. It's like two lot. I used to go latte a month for the regular price, but it's like two lattes for the entire year it. now. I wish we would stop. We're crazy. Yeah. I feel like we have we're, the uh, we're, we're we have away. the inflatable the inflatable waving hands guy, yeah. like at the the used car dealership. Yeah. But no, I this is this is one of those stories that you're only gonna get at the athletic. It, we we have the the depth of team to be able to put out stuff like this, and we also are not making our writers crank out. You know five 300 word posts a day on nothing to make you click on them and, and then watch 18 pop-ups. That's not what we do. We say, Seth Emerson, please write this really good story and we'll run it. And that's what happens. So, uh, but let's, let's get back to that weekend. Cause I, I, I thought you led it perfectly with, with Darian Wrencher from Clemson where I had forgotten about the earthquake. There was an yeah, earthquake in the Carolinas yeah. that weekend. I forgot about that too. I, I went through Darian Wrencher's old tweets from that period. And I didn't remember about the earthquake until I saw that he tweeted about feeling an earthquake that Sunday morning. And so I, I ran with it and used it. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I, I would argue, after reading your story, that one of the most important things that happened in all this period was Trevor Lawrence going to Darian Rencher and saying, what are we going to do about this? Because mm-hmm. according to Rencher, Dabo Sweeney had, had met with the team and said, look, I don't think this is going to happen. This doesn't yep. look good. And, and remember, Dabo was the one saying, just be optimistic months earlier, mm-hmm. but but he was at that point, you know, he had enough information to say, I don't know what's going to happen. But then Trevor Lawrence goes to Darian Rencher and says, what are we going to do about this? And how did, how did, how did that mushroom? Well, it, it was a result of earlier in the summer, Rencher, who had been very active in the social justice, racial justice initiatives arising from the George Floyd death, um, that he had Rencher had had built up a contact list basically of other college football players across the country. Um, Cause he'd, and, been, he'd been Clemson's point person on that. Right. Right. Yeah. And so they had been pushing the racial justice initiatives all summer and had, you know, also how that manifests itself for college football. And they now had this situation with their own season they were finding out was on the brink and they decided to, to push it into that. But it ended up being so important that not only did they organize and like across the country get, you know, he, he, he pulled on this contact list. He had of people on the West coast and in between like Trevor Lawrence, uh, as I put in the story called Justin Fields. Um, and, and so they had people all over the country and some good players, some just, you know, kind of players on the periphery, which, I think Darian Rencher will be the first to tell you that he is, uh, he's a backup running back at Clemson. Um, but not only did they organize to say, we want to play football, but they did it together with saying, we also want these rights. We, we also want, you know, I, I think on that list was, you know, the ability to transfer. They, they talked about the eligibility stuff. Some very, of this very, stuff, the NCAA which is, was already is very doing. smart. This was a good time to ask yeah. for that stuff because Yep. They that moment showed how much they need the players. You know, you always had these hardos who would say, "Well, we don't need those. They just they can leave, and we'll get other players." Yep. Or we'll no, yeah. you won't. You you see necessary roughness. You don't want that to be your your school's team. As I was writing this, and as I was formulating my thoughts on all this, Andy, I centered on I guess my realization that there were two things that the SEC the ACC and the big 12, the forces that wanted to play were swimming upstream against in two PR fronts. One was the medical stuff and myocarditis had emerged at that point as the big one. Michael Ackerman jumps in to help on that front. And uh, Cameron Wolf at Duke 
kind of ambivalently, <laughs> reluctantly jumps in for the ACC and, and sways ACC people there and helps on the PR front. But the other front was player rights and the idea that these unpaid laborers, and especially last summer with everything going on, these main, a lot of black players were being forced into playing against their will. Darian Rencher, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, all these players coming out and pushing the way they did countered that narrative and on both fronts gave those three conferences, especially the ACC and the Big 12, enough cover to say we are not going to cancel yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and Trevor and Lawrence, I mean, he gets yeah, retweeted not- by the president when he sends his tweet out. Yeah, yeah. Well, but if Trevor Lawrence's tweets and then Justin Fields joined in, if they had just kind of stood on their own, that would have been one thing. But when they organized, when Darian Rencher organized them the way they did, that made it more than just a like sympathetic yeah. thing it became a this can be a tangible reason to play and if, yeah. if we look back andy if there had not been a college football season i i mean where are we right now i mean it, it, the ncaa right now is is reforming on name image likeness and a bunch of other stuff if they had lost all this money last college football season they might be able to say plead poverty and say yeah. well there's no money for anybody it's, it's a good point you know? and and the the player thing's interesting to me because what really made it hit home for me was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields lending their name to it because yeah. those were two guys who did not have to play. Like Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one pick in the draft no matter what. Justin Fields was probably going to be a top, you know, top five, top ten pick in the draft no matter what. So they were going to get yeah. paid whether they played or not. That it meant so much to them to play. And you know, Trevor's yeah. came out and said well, I wanted to do it for Cornell Powell and, and guys like that who needed a good season so they can get paid. And who's got to be drafted as a result. Of yeah, absolutely. So I think I think that that's what really turned me on it because I wasn't sure. I didn't want the players to feel like they were being forced into anything if they were going to play. Right. And as soon as they all said, hey, we do. And and that's we we gotten that sense from talking to players and from talking to coaches. But that they came out so strong and said that, I think it it made going forward with the season feel better. Yeah, and it wasn't... Look, there's no players union in college sports, and it's always going to be hard to get one because you have so much turnover. As well, in and, and gonna, you also have yeah. a bunch of state universities and, and state you know labor yeah. laws govern how the, the people there but, operate. But you can. that doesn't mean you can't have a group that negotiates with the people in charge just because you don't have a union. You could have a permanent, you could have a permanent group of professionals that organizes it year after year um, and says, all right, you know, this group, now you get in and you're, you're part of it. But this was an organ unorganized or I guess an organized effort that sprang up that Sunday night while many people were sleeping um, to do this. And the fact that they were organizing to say, we want to play, was a huge PR win for those that wanted to play. And, you know, if you talk to some of the ADs I talked to, they'll, and coaches, <clears throat> they'll tell you, well, we knew our players wanted to play. I mean, we, we, we were meeting with but, them constantly. But they can't say but, that. They, right. They're, you know, right. They're, they're, they have a very huge financial stake in playing. So anything a coach says is going to be taken with a grain of salt. But when Justin Fields says it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence wasn't just, you know, not to 
you know, you, you, you use the phrase, lend your name to it. Well, they, they weren't just doing that. Like yeah. it, he was, Darian he was organized. Wasn't he was just, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Darian Rancher wasn't just telling, Hey, Trevor, you're a bigger name than me. Why don't you put this out? Darian told me that Trevor Lawrence went out to get dinner and while he was out at dinner, I guess like waiting for the order or something, he, he sent out those tweets and he came back and Darian's like, Trevor, man, what, what I just, do? Can you, Trevor, look, just Trevor inspired. Lawrence is waiting on chicken fingers, saving, saving the football season. Yeah. That that's amazing. Yeah. He's sitting, you know, I, yeah. I'm just, I just imagining Darren, Trevor Lawrence waiting in his car for his chicken fingers to be ready on his phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is what was weighing on them as Trevor Lawrence is out getting dinner. He's not thinking about, well, you know, He's not thinking about the dinner order or what he's going to do that night. He's thinking about, I might not have a college football season to play, even though he doesn't need it. Um, and so that shows you like how important this was to them. So you even got Greg Sankey's blood pressure on the, on one of those days in 118 over 72. I, those, uh, those iron tribe workouts he's doing are doing, although he gyms were closed. So he was just jogging every day, right? That was his burn yeah. off the stress move. He, yeah, he was jogging every day. His doctor's appointment was scheduled for that Monday morning. You know, when I talked to Sankey, um, you know, Sankey's done a lot of interviews, not necessarily on this, but just a lot in general. But I found him to be I, I was surprised when I talked to him how like fired up he was about this. This six, was seven this months was later. personal for him. And it yes. could have gone a very different way for him had he chosen he, yeah. wrong he remembered i mean he knew what i was calling about he knew the story i was doing so he had prepared a little bit probably in terms of getting his memory bank but he wasn't the only one andy that like when i contacted for this story and i was like i want to talk about those 72 hours last august they are pretty much to a man or woman they all say oh yeah i remember what i was doing i remember that period as a reporter i remember what i was doing that was that was when i thought that i mean I was worried for my job. Yeah, you know, I was. I was. I was, I was on my, vacation with my, my family. We were, we were in a hotel, and I one worried about whether I'm going to have a job or not. But talking to ads, while my wife and kids are like, "Are we going to do? Are we going to go get something?" I'm like, "No, you guys go ahead. I, I'm going to talk to these guys and see what's going on." And I remember talking to an ad about, you know, what same question I kept asking: Why can't you do it in the spring? What? Why can't you? push, you know, two months, but, you know, why, why does it have to be decided right now? That was the key thing that, especially when I talked to people in the big 12 that they said, because the decision essentially came down to them, which is weird when you think about it, um, that it was, it came down to the big 12. Cause you would think Andy culturally. And when you look at the mix of schools that big 12 has more football, quote unquote schools, the ACC has the, you know, the tobacco road, Virginia, Syracuse, Boston College, but a, a dynamic that I didn't know about that I, I don't think I was able to get this in the story. But one of the reasons the ACC was sure that it wanted to play more so was that you had more of a mix of schools that absolutely needed that football revenue. Mm. Like Syracuse needed the football revenue more than Texas, which, which is weird. There was we no. Were, football, we were assuming yeah. if you were in a state that was act, you know, where the government. Yeah handled this a certain way that you were going to automatically, but Syracuse is the last one I'd expect that that would need to play, but there you go. Syracuse's president, I was told was key behind the scenes and, and kind of not getting on a table and pounding 
for playing a football season. That was kind of Clemson's president. But Syracuse's president was in favor of, I think the correct point, the, the correct way to put it at this point is not cancel. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely play is different from not cancel. Syracuse's president was in favor of not canceling at this point and helped kind of uh, corral people, maybe some some schools that were reluctant. Um, whereas in the Big 12, you may have had, like, like I said, Texas was not a huge force in the Big 12, unlike 10 years before during all the realignment drama, because Texas was in the middle of a transition. In, mm-hmm. in its presidency and Texas, if there was no 2020 college football season, still has a couple hundred million dollars in reserves to lean on. Whereas in the ACC schools like Syracuse and Boston college and Wake Forest and NC state were really worried about what their bottom line was going to look like without a college football season. And, and that makes a lot more sense. And I always thought the ACC, you know, cause I, I talked to Sankey a lot during all that and, and thought the SEC's move was, we're going to watch everybody, watch the NFL especially, kind of cheat off their paper and see what happens with them. But I always felt like if things turned, that, that Greg Sankey would say, you know what, I guess we can't do it. But the ACC always felt more gung-ho. And that what you just said explains why. Because of the leagues, so the day that the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12 decided to, to postpone, the league that was the strongest we are playing is the ACC. The SEC doesn't say anything definitive that day, and the Big 12 kind of, you know, tests the air and and puts out what they put out. But it, it seemed like the ACC was always the most forceful about it. And that was that Tuesday that the ACC put out that statement after, like, it was 3 o'clock. Yeah, they were first of those three. Eastern that time. was right after the Pac-12. Yeah. yeah, the Big 12 didn't put out anything because they hadn't decided yet. The SEC didn't put out anything because they were just waiting and they were hoping and they were trying not to be the the bully and and bully other people. If anything, Greg Sankey, like I said earlier, was corralling the smaller conferences, the group of five conferences to come with him as kind of a show of like, I, I think that helped too. I didn't play this up in the story, but when you have those three smaller conferences that also want to play, I think every time Mike Oresco said you know spoke i think it helped a little bit because it also battled the perception that it's just the big bad football schools right that you know want to have a season right and and like you said just the same texas syracuse comparison you're making those schools in the american need to play more than yeah even more more than yeah, the and SEC they were schools saying, do. and 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 we, we we forget andy what the debate was last august in terms of resources to test and how often a week can you test and, and all the other stuff. And those smaller conferences were getting out there saying, we can try to do that. We, we think we have the resources to do that, which quietly kind of nudges the bigger schools, the bigger conferences into saying, all right, well, if Louisiana Lafayette says that they have enough to try and test, then you should too. Yeah, then we can figure this out. And they did. There was a football season. One of the prettiest thing in the world, but they had a football season. And now... You know, I think people have – everybody's not vaccinated yet, and I think I would imagine most college players aren't because in in the states they're in, they're they're too young to to meet the threshold right now. But they probably will be by the time preseason practice starts. And 
I'd imagine it's a pretty different world going into football season this year. So, And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's, let's talk about that, because, uh, and specifically the school you cover, Georgia, because they are in spring right now. And mm-hmm. George Pickens, their best receiver, ACL tear. What's the, yeah. do, do they feel like he's going to be out for the year? Well, there's a couple questions here, Andy. One is the medical part of it. Uh, the normal ACL recovery tear is like, or, or period is six to nine months, um, especially for this type of injury. I, I'm told it was a clean tear, nothing else involved. Um, George is really strong when it comes to uh, rehab. They've done this before. Todd Gurley, Aaron Murray, they, they, they have a lot of experience with recovery. And three years ago, 2018, Georgia had a freshman cornerback named Devod Wilson tear his ACL in spring. He played in the Sugar Bowl. Wow. So if you're a Georgia fan, you're sitting there dreaming of get through the season, maybe even lose to Clemson in the opener, but then win your next 11, win the SEC championship. I'm, I'm obviously clearly easier said than done. But then you make the playoff, and here comes George Pickens to join your team in the the semifinal game that's possible here's the other part of it will george pickens want to do that george pickens is going to be in the 2022 nfl draft it's it would behoove him at minimum to stay around georgia and rehab because though those facilities are there but does he want to go to class in the fall uh, does he want to take you? He probably has to take summer classes too. And he may not literally go to class. It's done right. online, but that's even saying, that's yeah. not that fun for a lot of people. Um, does he want to do everything it takes to still, frankly, be eligible for a Georgia hypothetical playoff run? Um, that's that's the other part of it. Well, and, and so Georgia should for the season have back Dominic Blaylock and and Marcus and is it Rosemi Jackson? 
Rosemary, Jack Saint, Jack Sant. I, 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 you know, my French accent. I'm great. sure that I, I'm sure there's a great backstory to it, but man, is that a mouthful? Um, and Marcus <laughs> Rosemary was a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, Rosemary Jack Sant um, had the bad uh, ankle injury in the in Florida, Florida game Florida, last yeah. November. So, and Dominic Blaylock tore his ACL for a second time last preseason. So Blaylock should be back first but it's a second one. So are you getting a dynamic, great receiver right away? I, probably not, but Dominic Blaylock at 75, 80% is still pretty good. Um, Marcus Rosemary Jackson would be really beneficial because he's a taller receiver in the mold of George Pickens. Um, and they don't have that without George Pickens at this point. They, they have another guy named Justin Robinson who could maybe do it, but I, I think they've got a little got to be a little more creative now um, with their receivers. I, I think they'd love to get a, to find a way to get Eric Gilbert on their roster, um, which isn't going to be easy, um, but they do have Darnell Washington, the big tight end. They, Andy, they've, they've still got a lot of weapons over there uh, at receiver. James Coke will probably play you know, more in the passing game. Now I was going to say but, they can man, use some of the backs because they're so deep in the backfield. Right. Kendall Milton could too. Um, but man, George Pickens, he, he was, you know, he was their best playmaker. You know, when you when you have him over there and the defense has to worry about him, they have to either put their best cornerback on him or two different people on him. That really opened up space for the other receivers. This feels like a year that Georgia should be very excited. That the, they, you know, the quarterback yeah. thing's been a constant issue, but it felt like at the end of last year they had something with JT Daniels. Uh, Brock Vandegrift is now on campus. It It feels like, they should be expecting a lot out of this season because, you know, if Florida loses the, the, the two Kyles, you know, Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. Don't know if their defense is going to be better, although I think it probably will be a little bit better than it was last year. But the offense will look completely different. Uh, Florida plays LSU and Alabama. Georgia doesn't play either one of those teams. They have to play Auburn, obviously. But mm-hmm. it feels like everything sort of sets up very nicely for Georgia this year. It does. Um, and they can lose that first game to, to Clemson, which I've said all along is a coin flip. Uh, I think the Pickens injury maybe makes it a little more tempting to pick Clemson in that game. But you said all along they could lose that game and they'll still be favored in the other 11, uh, which win those 11, hell, win those, win 10 of them. Um, and as long as they don't lose the wrong one, you could be 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 going into the SEC championship game and knowing when and you're in. Um, but there's a lot that happens between now and then. And I, I've said, Andy, all along that I thought that if this were anybody but Georgia, you would look at everything they have coming back and almost no coaching turnover either. And and you would say this is the SEC favorite. Um, and this is uh, a preseason number one or number two, that it was – uh, reservations because this is Georgia and you haven't seen them do it recently since 2017. The the Pickens injury makes you think a little bit though. I want to, I want to give it a little time before I, you know, completely say they're not the SEC favorite anymore, but they are definitely still the SEC East favorite. Yeah. And, and I think this is, this is the year that Kirby smart can kind of quiet his doubters down. And, and I think there's a disconnect between the average fan and, how the Georgia administration feels about Kirby, because the idea with Kirby is, you know, 
he hasn't won a national title. He was brought there to win a national title. Now, he came very, very close in year two. But it, they felt far away last year. And I think that that probably had a lot to do with them having to play a really good Florida. This, this was the best Florida team. Gosh, I, it was better than the 2012 Florida team that, that, Georgia, that a really good Georgia team beat. I, it's, that's probably the best Florida team since they played at Alabama for the SEC title in 2009. And so I don't know that they're going to be able to do that again. They're not, they don't have the constant talent level that Georgia does to, to keep reloading like that. So I think it, it bodes well for Georgia. And, you know, like I said, the, the administration at Georgia seems to me is very pleased with Kirby. They're getting what they want. They're, they're in contention for the East every year. They want it most of the years, but they want, everybody wants the breakthrough and, this feels like if they're going to have the breakthrough, this is the year. Well, I, I think what feeds the narrative on Kirby is overrated is that they've failed, I guess, spectacularly at the wrong times. Right. Um, like this Second year. Against and 26. Al- Al- they were, yeah. Yeah. They were, they, you know, they have a big lead on Alabama in the 2018 SEC championship and, and you have the fake punt fiasco. Um, 2019, they're blown out by LSU, even though everyone else was blown out by LSU too. Uh, 2020, they're, they weren't really actually technically blown out by Alabama. They were winning that game late in the third quarter, but when Alabama went ahead, they went far ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they and hit then the Florida game, Florida won convincingly. So look, they've ever since that 2017 run, they've gone slightly back every season. Um, so they need to take a step back forward this year at minimum they need to get back to the sec championship game unless it's you know some freak of they go 11 and one lose to florida who you know wins on on some wins the sec wins the national title yeah that that sort of unique yeah yeah, go 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 back to the sec championship game or backdoor into the playoff the way alabama did in 2017 at minimum you need to do that um but look I, i think kirby has set himself up some through no fault of his own. Um, some of it is the way he carries himself in press conferences that, you know, he doesn't engender as much sympathy as maybe a Dabo might. Um, and by as much, you know, he, he engenders no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I see different sides of him cause I, you know, cover him every day and, you know, I don't, I don't think Dabo gets any sympathy anymore either, by yeah. the way. I think, I think that right, those okay. days are long Fair. gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I cover and I see what I see here, but you know, like, but on the other hand, like, I've had a commenter and I know it's just one commenter, but for some reason it stuck with me one time referred or like earlier this year referred to Kirby as must champ 2.0. I would be like, have you looked at their records? No, (laughs) I mean, no, 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 (laughs) no. no. Now must champ 1.0 is helping out. Yeah. I mean, he's there. He's in the building. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. So look, you know, Kirby doesn't need, to like have a great year around here, but it would really certainly help the national narrative. Um, and you know, I, but, but again, it all depends on how the season goes and how it, you know, we can't sit here, Andy, in, in late March, early April and say that if they have X record, then X, right. you know, you get, you got right, to see. Cause we don't know what's going to happen everywhere else. And, and I think, 
that the SEC West is going to be an absolute bloodbath this year. I think there's and, and Georgia doesn't have to face right. those teams except for Auburn. Right? They don't. Could they don't have A and M. They don't have LSU. They don't have Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, um, our colleagues put out their coaching list. Um, Stu and Bruce put out their best coaches list, and um, when Kirby was perceived to be a little lower, somebody uh, wrote and said, "Well, you know, I'd be curious what they'd say if if." You know, he, Kirby didn't have to ha- beat Nick Saban every year. Basically, he's run into the Nick Saban freight train in 2017 and 2018. Gus Malzahn has That's some true. thoughts on that. Yeah, but Kirby also hasn't had to deal with the SEC West. Yeah. Like, the, the SEC East this year is Florida and, you know, Missouri and Kentucky are plucky. Yeah, They're there, but... Plucky but Kentucky, I like it. Home. I, uh, yeah. When yeah. when when Ari is saying South that Kentucky is the best job in the SEC, we're going to call them Plucky Kentucky from now on. Yeah, that yeah, and, and you can credit me, please. Um, but then you've got South Carolina, uh, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee, which we'll just charitably say they're going through coaching changes. But they'll, <laughs> you know, but look at the resources they're in transition, the Seth. They're in transition. Like, look at look at like look at the if you added up how much each of the seven schools in each division spends on football, I think the SEC West would be, you know, just probably. Yeah, because Arkansas is spending the same as as Alabama, and Arkansas wants to win just as bad. And and I think the the fact that you saw the improvement from Arkansas, you saw the improvement from Ole Miss, I guarantee you Mississippi State will be better than they were last year. Uh, It may not show on the record, but they won't have games where they're just non-competitive. And – so you're right. The, the SEC West is going to be significantly tougher than than the East, but and and that's that works in Kirby's favor, and it just works against him if they can't if they can't get done what they're supposed to get done. Yeah, I mean it's part of what people don't realize, and it it, it, it wasn't any of those other schools that got him so far. He's been the head coach five years. He's won the East three times. The two times he didn't, it was Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost some games. They lost to South Carolina inexplicably in 2019. They lost to a bunch of teams 2016, but, but Florida is the one that they need to get over. And then Auburn every year too, but Auburn done pretty well against Auburn. Yeah. George, George's George's been very good against Auburn. He's lost to Auburn once and he avenged that game two weeks later. Yeah. Three weeks later. Yeah. I I was at both of them and uh, one, one was a beat down and the other was also a beat down in a completely different direction. So, yeah, yeah I, this is this is going to be a really interesting season in Athens. So I'm glad you are there and telling us what's going on. Uh, again, if you want to read Seth on Georgia, if you want to read what I write, if you want to read all the excellent college football coverage in The Athletic or the excellent NBA coverage, NFL coverage, European soccer coverage, NHL coverage, NBA, I think I said NBA, Major League Baseball. It's all there. Dollar a month. We're we're crazy with these with these kind of deals. We're gonna get fired. I, I I they don't do those commercials anymore. So I don't even remember how I'm supposed to do it. I just I just know I need the inflatable guy waving his arms. We I I, I had people like say like when they bring me off for radio interviews, should I uh, should we promo the one dollar uh, yeah. subscription thing? I'm, I, well, I've actually said no. i have like well. I'm like, I don't think with deals like idea. these, we've lost our we minds. Doing? Yeah, we already have a, over a million subscribers. Are we trying for three million? We want we get the two. Well, there's 300 million people in America. 
I want 300 million subscribers. Okay. I want every eight-year-old There's subscribing. There's a lot of stimulus checks going out. Let's get some of that. Let's, let's do it. Seth Everson, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, Andy.